All right. I'm recording. Are you recording? I am recording. Yes. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. Who wants to do the introduction? Do you want like to start? I can start for sure. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get into my podcasting voice. Um, I've before we start, I've been watching a lot of TikToks of like the bro dude who has his own TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there, I I've loved the one was just like, okay, guys, I'm about to blow your mind. Yeah. So the moon, the moon. Uh, Jerry's laughing because he's he, I, he doesn't <laughs> believe me, but the moon is one hundred and eighty five thousand male lions uh-huh. away from us. <laughs> All right. All right. Supposedly 185,000 male lions. Now the UN has reported that there's only 85,000 male lions. Now you can look this Earth. up. <laughs> now you can look this up. You can look this up. Now think about that. Now think about that. How can the moon be 185,000 male lions away when we only have 85,000 lions here on earth? I know it's so brilliant. I was just like, wow, that's bravo, my guy. Bravo. That's exactly how Ugh. it works. That, that is. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll cut that and put it into the episode at some point, but I'm going to actually start this episode properly. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to the IP Address, an intellectual property and copyright podcast. This is where we look at some of the gray lines in laws and practices, and sometimes we also talk about whatever we want. Most of the time we go on long-winded tangents, but we make it there in the end. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Michelle. And I'm your other host, Sarah. Now, Michael Michelle, so what are we talking about today? Oh, it's, it's so interesting. The tables have flipped most of the time I'm asking you. Um, well, as the title of this episode uh, states, um, this is a question that I have posited to many of people throughout <laughs> time. Um, can I eat the Mona Lisa? You know, I, I just, if I walked into the Louvre with, uh, I think you quoted it for being like 6 billion. I had written 3 billion. I think 60 um, billion. 6D billion. Okay. If I walk in and I had some of that, um, you know, cash money with me, walk into the Louvre, slap that big old pile of cash down on the counter and said, give me that, give me that good Mona Lisa, um, and they, they sold it to me because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, Louvre, the Louvre might be in some bad times and they need that extra cash flow. Uh, could I then just right then and there just, you know, eat the Mona Lisa? Can I just like knife and fork? Know, shove it? Oh, I wouldn't knife and fork it. I would just start tearing and just like, you know, like having a written note that you don't want anybody to see and just like either crumple it up and sho- shove it in your face or just s- slowly rip, you know? Uh-huh. That's kind of, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm, and that's I'm posing the question, question of the day. That is the question of the day. I'm posing it to you, sir, as well as our listeners. Can I eat the Mona Lisa? Well, I love this question, Michael Michelle, and mm-hmm. um, I did a little bit of research ahead of this episode, mm-hmm. and it turns out you're not the only person who is wondering about this. <laughs> that um, actually floors me. Apparently, um, back in 2019, um, mm-hmm. some, some folks were out to dinner, I don't know, at Applebee's, I think they said, mm-hmm. um, and just shooting the shit, and they asked themselves this question, and it became a little bit of a running gag for them, that eventually became a um, change.org p- petition 
to urge Jeff Bezos, the only one we mm -hmm. can really think of who has $60 billion to spare to buy the Mona Lisa, to do just that. Um, mm -hmm. As of this time of recording, it has 18,000 signatures um, of mm -hmm. the 25,000 that it's going for right now. Um, and, you know, the, the masses want to know, can you eat the Mona Lisa? And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe more importantly, more to the point, Jeff Bezos, will you eat the Mona Lisa? Yeah, um, the, the quote from the article that you had sent me that had me in stitches, and I'm like, uh -huh. oh, I found my people here, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> was nobody has eaten the Mona Lisa. It has been around for hundreds of years and <laughs> we feel as if jeff bezos needs to take a stand and finally make this happen yeah you know i just ah chef's kiss <laughs> indeed we have found your people um <laughs> and, but my question really for you michael michelle is <laughs> why are we talking about this what, what are just... we gonna bring to this conversation <laughs> Yeah, outside of just, you know, my usual weird tangents of thoughts that I have at like 3 a.m., um, you know, this is an intellectual property and copyright podcast, and we've talked a lot about intellectual freedoms and copyright, but I wanted to take a little bit of time today and actually talk about some some of the like legality aspects of intellectual property. Um, and I think one of the best ways to do so in terms of like a tangible idea, because, you know, it's a very nebulous idea. It's a very like out in the ether kind of an idea. Um, and art is usually the best way of putting a face to intellectual property. Um, and the best way to kind of talk about it is the commerce side of that and, you know, the buying and selling of uh, intellectual property and specifically art is kind of ingrained, like, the IP of it, the intellectual property, is ingrained in the piece that you're buying. Uh, you know, artists will say they pour their heart and soul into it. And the concept of ownership, then, of this piece plays a huge part. It plays a, a massive, um, like, a massive piece in this. And I wanted to talk about some of those gray areas of ownership when you're dealing with intellectual property and commerce. So obviously when I buy something, you know, I walk down to uh, Canadian Tire. Um, I find they have a bargain bin of a bunch of old DVDs that they're trying to get rid of. Um, I pick one up, I walk up to the counter, I pay for it. I obviously own it. So I can do whatever I want with this, right? I can, at that point, throw it into the trash. I can try to sell it again. I can, do burn whatever it. I want. I could burn it, you know, um, light a big fire with it. Um, but uh, you bring up a very interesting concept when you say burn it, because there's where some of the limitations are with it. I obviously can't do anything that I want with it. Um, I can't burn it onto another DVD. I can't um, load it onto my computer, download it on there take another like dvdr for any kids listening this is a dvd that you can rewrite um, a dvd and... is a disc that has <laughs> content on it oh boy um and i at that point with this new copy of this dvd i can't then go out and sell it you know 
for us millennials, we have the old meme of you wouldn't steal a car, you know, you wouldn't <laughs> steal a purse, so don't steal a movie. Um, because in that sense, you are kind of violating the the copyright, the um, intellectual property to a little uh, extent mm-hmm. within that item. So just because I own it doesn't mean I can do whatever I want with it. There is still some limitations in that sense. Uh, but this is mainly talking about where we deal in like copyright infringement and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So... Likewise, you know, anyone who's ever Mm -hmm. wanted to host a a movie night will have probably eventually run up against the question of like, can you, can you put this DVD on a big projector and charge admission for people to come Mm -hmm. watch that? Mm -hmm. Um, Like the movie theaters are doing a different type of commerce than you are when you buy your DVD. Um, yeah. That was the end of my yeah, thought. Absolutely. I didn't really have a nice way to like bring it down. <laughs> kind of transition it? Uh, yeah. No worries. Um, so, yeah, some of the hard and fast rules when it comes to... Well, we'll shift away from the DVD and just talk about like art. And to put this into, again, uh, an easy face to picture, um, just like a painted art. So we'll stick with the Mona Lisa, right? Uh, when dealing with art, the conditions and terms are usually ironed out in the contract when you either commission the piece to be made mm-hmm. or when you buy a, a piece of art from the artist or an art gallery or whoever it is that originally owned it. Um, usually the artist of the piece will put terms and conditions into it, the piece itself that limits the amount of action that you are allowed to do with the piece. And when we were first discussing this topic a couple weeks ago, you had brought up um, Mr. Norton's character from the uh, Ryan Johnson movie Glass Onion, where he has, in fact, bought the Mona Lisa, or at least rented it. Um, and with I know, that, it's, it's the... wild how much this is showing up in the contemporary zeitgeist <laughs> of just like, are, are we concerned right? about the Mona Lisa or do we really <laughs> want to see it, you know, harmed? <laughs> Oh, everyone's annoyed was... about the postcards that they've been receiving and mm-hmm. we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're all over it. Yeah, there was something and I can't remember who said it or what the exact wording was, but it's like it's human nature to destroy that which we find beautiful. Hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I watched a huge art house film with my father over the weekend called Neon Demon. I loved this film my dad was completely lost throughout it but he uh-huh. loved it because there was a lot of really pretty pretty colors going on in the film Great. um but uh yeah getting back to glass onion um when edward norton's character whose name i've already forgotten like the actual character mm. um when he rents or loans uh the mona lisa uh from the louvre he had to put it behind glass casing that had to be like a, a hair trigger warning of uh, complete protection. And that was within the clause of him essentially having the Mona Lisa in his personal collection. Uh, now, obviously, this is a fictitious example uh, from a, a fictitious movie, but that that is something that a lot of, you know, 
kind of private galleries uh, will will have when they sell off some art is that if you are going to do this, it needs to be hung in this condition with this much lighting because mm-hmm. uh, we want to maintain the integrity of the oils that are in this painting. If it's exposed to direct sunlight, it will, you know, it will bleach the painting and all that stuff. So there's going to be a lot of stipulations actually within the contract of ownership of these pieces. But again, I'm, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and it was like, but you own it. Shouldn't you be able to do whatever you want with it? Like Da Vinci isn't alive anymore to draw up a contract to basically tell you, no, you can't do that. And that's where I think maybe the Mona Lisa has come into the zeitgeist because it's one of the most famous, very old painting. I mean, it's been around for hundreds of years. Um, You know, the estate of Leonardo Da Vinci is going to be tracking me down if I start to physically eat the painting. So again, I'm, I'm brought back to this question. If I plunk down that $60 billion right at the Louvre's feet, say, give me that tasty, tasty painting. What's to stop me? What's to stop me from doing that? What's to stop me from uh, chowing down on some Mona Lisa? Okay. So Again, I, I, you know, didn't do a ton of research, but because this is such a burning question for our current society, um, some of these answers are readily available to us, or someone has done this work for us already. So thank you to the author of this article, whose name I don't know. Um, but we can, we can link that article somewhere. We'll link probably, it in the description. Right? Yeah, we'll link Absolutely. it in the description. People can read more about it. Um, but here's what we heard. Um, you could buy the Mona Lisa for, you know, $60 billion-ish. Um, and there's different, there's different laws around the world. So in the U.S., it sounds like there is not any type of law that is going to Amazing. stop you from eating the Mona Lisa G- if you own it. Give me that, give me that tasty, tasty Mona Lisa smile. I can't wait. And, and that is because this artist is dead. In fact, long dead. Um, and so there isn't necessarily any one who's going to be able to come at you for eating the Mona Lisa. Da Vinci's dead. Great. Mona Lisa is a snack. Um, she is a snack. But in France, they do have mm-hmm. um, something called moral rights, which would protect artwork from this kind of um, mutilation or harm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that you would be doing by eating it. But actually, because that law only came into effect in the 19th century, and Leonardo da Vinci, very, very long dead, um, this painting was was painted in the 16th century, um, the Mona Lisa is not covered by moral rights. So More good news. It sounds like, all in all, Mona Lisa is a snack, and Mm -hmm. if you can get $60 billion dollars, um, and you don't have a better way to spend it, mm-hmm. um, you, you probably could um, eat the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that they talked about, I thought this was a really interesting <laughs> tangent, was all of the examples, there are many of them, of artists destroying art for the mm-hmm. sake of art. Um, huh. So, you know, I won't, I won't list too many of these because I will, I will display my own ignorance too quickly um, by not knowing either the original art or the um, destroying artist. 
Um, but they exist. You could take my word for it. Ai Weiwei does this with, um, with pottery. Um, drops like ancient pottery and takes photos of it. Um, and it's very interesting. Um, there we go. I know one artist. Um, <laughs> but you don't have to paint. You don't have to record yourself. You don't have to take pictures of yourself when you eat the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. Although I think you probably mm -hmm. should do it on live or something. Oh, absolutely. I would set up like, um, like a Twitch stream, you know, yeah. um, yeah. get that tasty monetization. There you go. Um, I don't know if you'd make yeah. your, your 60 billion back, but you'd probably get, you know, a couple thousand. I get a couple thousand and that's yeah. that honestly good investment. Good, good return investment. on investment in that sense. There yeah. you go. I yeah. will, I will just take a little pause um, mm -hmm. because I do think it's important that our listeners know that you should not eat an oil painting um it oil paint is bad for you there's several kinds of poison in oil paint um if you eat it mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna be consuming hydrocarbons you're gonna be consuming lead and mercury and cobalt and barium um right and, and these, these are, are bad these, these are bad are things... for you okay um okay. if if you didn't, if I didn't say this soon enough in the podcast and you have eaten <laughs> oil paint in the last 15 minutes, um, you should probably go to the hospital. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe call poison control. Just, yeah. you know, seek some medical attention. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. That's the, I don't know, the after school so, special message for you. So what you're saying to me is that legally there's nothing stopping me from eating the Mona Lisa, yeah. but physiologically there would be rehensible complications after I eat the Mona Lisa. I'm, I'm saying that you would have some physiological complications for having okay. consumed the Mona Lisa. Also you could eat so many better things with $60 billion. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Neither can I actually when pressed. So, you know, um, yeah. One of the things that kind of spurred this whole thing on um, to kind of bring us back to that whole um, intellectual property specifically oh, right. within yes. art, <laughs> you know, tying it back into the actual uh, podcast episode Um yeah, there, and again, we're Canadian, so we want to use a Canadian example here. Um, there is an art installation in um, within the Eaton Centre, which is one of Toronto's more famous malls. Um, you know, it, it, the the art installation is called um, uh, Stop Flight. Um, sorry, dyslexia. Move those around. Flight Stop. Uh, I know this. Um, and it was it was constructed by Michael Snow, uh, commissioned to do this sculpture um, for uh, the Toronto Eaton Center um, way back in the early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's depicting a number of geese in mid-flight. Um, and it is quite beautiful. It's quite powerful. Um, you know, it's very Canadian. <laughs> and uh, it, it greets 
visitors to the Eaton Centre Mall if you come in from the uh, the south side entrance off of Queen Street. Um, and it, it is quite beautiful. It's quite uh, it's quite a spectacle. Um, now, the reason why I'm bringing up this art installation was back in the uh, um, early stages of 1981, um, you know, during, well, I should say the late stages, during the Christmas season, the Eaton Centre began to place red ribbons around the geese's necks um, as kind of a, a ramp up for the Christmas season, you know, the mm-hmm. holly jollies, you know, kind of coming in there. Um yeah, Michael Snow didn't like this, and he filed um, he filed a lawsuit against the Eaton Corporation, and it's now known as the Snow v. Eaton Center Limited. Um, uh, and it's it's a pretty pretty famous case um, because Snow basically said that this adding adding this um, aspect to his piece. Um, it, it distorted, mutilated, or otherwise modified his piece, um, which was to the prejudice of the honor or reputation. Um, I'm going to try that again. So here we go. Um, he held that the structure's uh, integrity was somehow distorted, mutilated, or otherwise modified, mm-hmm. which was to the prejudice of the honor or reputation of the honor himself. And this is something within the Copyright Act for Canada under Section 28.2. And uh, yeah, the judge basically agreed with Michael, um, said, yes, this does distort or otherwise modify. He, he kind of wisely left off the mutilated aspect of it. Um, but it was kind of a little bit to the detriment of the um, honor or reputation of the author. Um you know, I, I believe the wording that Michael used specifically for this case was that he felt that this undermined his work and made his installation more cash. You know, it was mm-hmm. um, very like um, cashing in for the holiday crowd kind of thing. And, you know, Eaton, Eaton Center kind of fought back because they're like, well, we already poured a heck of a lot of money into this um, campaign. You know, we already made bags for it. We already made promotional material for it. Like pulling the plug on it now is going to cost us a lot of money. So mm-hmm. yeah, obviously we're going to try to, we're going to try to fight this, but you know, the judge ruled in favor of Michael snow and uh, subsequently because of this, it kind of made us uh, like a stance, you know, there was this standard for moral rights uh, within intellectual property when artists felt that they were starting to have those moral rights infringed mm-hmm. after having their art be bought. Uh, so long as there is evidence of prejudice or harm either to the artist or to the work itself. Um, now, the evidence needs to be, you know, pretty clear cut. You have to be able to see it, which obviously you can find there. Um, and actually, the Copyright Act for Canada has been amended since this case so that any modifications to paintings, sculptures or engravings is deemed to prejudice the author. Um, so... In my mind, destroying the Mona Lisa would, uh, for the purpose of eating, would kind of fall within this camp. Now, as we've already discovered and talked about, you know, Da Vinci isn't around anymore to sue me for it. So I can break that clause as much as I want. But 
I think because the legal owners of the Mona Lisa is uh, the Louvre, I think they're the ones that would be able to file that, like that clause. Even if they're not the originators of the IP, I think they're the ones that actually hold the IP at the moment. Um, yeah, that's I, I unfortunately suspect... where my notes kind of stop there, right? So, I suspect so. you're you're probably right. I think if you purchased the Mona Lisa, I mean, a could you ever like is it is there an amount of money that the Louvre would accept for the Mona Lisa I don't know um, I don't know there's only one way to find out and that is to convince Jeff Bezos all right two more to... signatures to the change <laughs> we just need two more signatures um yeah so because of this I don't think indigestion would be the only ramifications that I would have after eating the Mona Lisa um and I yeah. mean, I think that this really does butt up against, and this is a theme for us, Michael Michelle, is, you know, we mm -hmm. talk about the law and what, what's the limit of what you can do. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, to me, this is a question of what should we do in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, you know... There's one dangling note at the end of our show, of our of our show notes here, which is, but also, let's talk about obscene wealth. Let's um, talk about obscene wealth. How is it possible that anyone, any one person, could have enough mm -hmm. money to tempt the Louvre to sell the Mona Lisa? That just mm -hmm. doesn't seem like that should be real. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And yet, I can think of three individuals off the top of my head that probably have that obscene amount of money to plunk down at the feet of good old Louvre um, to essentially buy the Mona Lisa. Um, but man, should they? Like, I remember, and this might be outside of the scope of the current conversation, but like, is there ever a moral billionaire? You know, is there a such thing as a moral billionaire? I would posit probably not. No. You know, if you have that much money where literally you would not be able to spend that amount of money in 10,000 lifetimes. I don't think you should have that amount of money, no matter how much you worked for it, no matter how much you feel you earn it. No one individual should have that much piece of a pie within an enclosed system. You know, it's it's the second law of thermodynamics. You know, in an enclosed system, entropy can only increase. And when somebody is holding on to that, it, they're essentially uh, creating such a, a, a gravity of concentration that they are screwing up the system so, so unbelievably. Um, but I think I, I've I've gone off a little bit on my own little tangent. What what do you got? What do you got to say? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the conclusion that I'm coming to is that the idea of you being able to eat the Mona Lisa is not a problem with the like it's not a copyright problem. It's a wealth disparity problem. And if we're going to institute some new law to stop you from eating the Mona Lisa, probably we should just stop you from acquiring the funds that would allow you to eat the Mona Lisa. And maybe we can call it 
the No Eating the Mona Lisa Act. It will be passed by the United Nations and it will have enforcement in all signatory countries. I'm just muting my microphone because the wall over here is a wet wall and whenever the person above me showers, there's this very apparent sound and I only noticed it after our last one of the episodes I was editing and I was trying to talk through it and it's very apparent. Um, so I really need to move uh, into a sound booth rather than trying to do this in my office. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So now we just have to, <laughs> well, unless you want to keep talking, I can mute my microphone. I, I don't have the monologue for you. I'm no, I mean you were doing a great job with the, uh, I and once I'm able to talk again, I will put down some of my thoughts. But oh, are they having a sh bath? If they're having a bath, this might take a while. Oh my gosh. Anyway, to fill up the space so we're not just staring up. <laughs> um, I'm going to be down in Toronto this weekend. Oh. Cool. Um, are you around? Because I might have a wedding gift for you. Oh, I am around. Um, Amazing. As is Tilly, if you want to meet a Tilly. <gasps> I might, yeah. Come hang. Okay, I will. Yeah, I'm crashing with Megan because Megan and I are going to a concert on Friday. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have like a hard and fast plan outside of the Friday concert. Um, at some point, I need to go to the Eaton Center to replace my phone. Yeah. Take a look but at the geese. Take a look at the geese. Reminisce. Um, <laughs> that was about it. Um, so. Well, that's great. You should um, come hang come hang with me. Take a walk with Tilly. All right. Sounds like a plan. Mm -hmm. Um uh, uh, is there a, I'll probably head back early Sunday. So Saturday is probably the best. All right. Um, I, I don't have anything scheduled. I just have a lot of like tasks I need to do. Okay. Um, so I'm going to schedule you now. Amazing. Um, at, I don't know. Do you want to do it in the morning or the afternoon? Do you care? You can just text me. Um, afternoon sounds good. All right. You're in my calendar. Amazing. In fact, in fact you're in my household calendar. <gasps> yeah. Because Ryan needs to keep track of me. That's fair. Come on. Wet wall. And unfortunately, there's no way to, like, shield it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't listen to them. What if you're, like, under a blanket? Um, well, I do have a box that I was going to wonder. wonder. Have an idea. Because I have this box here. Use maybe that. Okay. I see one drawback to this plan. 
I see no drawbacks to this plan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Because I'm seeing one, one small drawback. <laughs> There's one slight small drawback to this. Uh -huh. oh, of course, now they stop. Okay. <laughs> it's like they know, right? Just I got the box out. Ready to stop. Okay, and and we're back. back. <laughs> Honestly, I think that is a a fantastic law. The and I 100% would endorse it. This stop buying the what was it? Stop buying the Mona Lisa Act. It might have been no eating the Mona Lisa. No eating the Mona Lisa. I would I would want to take that process back a little bit and even call it no buying or no amassing the amount at which you can purchase the Mona Lisa. Mm. 60, 60 billion is too much. 60 billion um, is too much. It's too much. I would even posit that 1 billion is too much. You know, if you are taking in the same amount as a small country's GDP, that that's too much. It's too much. Yeah. So how many people is this going to impact? I mean. It can't be more than three, right? No, it's a few. It's at least ten. Ten? Oh. There's ten people that have over a billion dollars? No, there's ten people who have over sixty billion dollars. That's a, even more. There's eleven people. Oh, my gosh. That is too many people. Yeah. Too many people. Yeah. There, there's people literally starving in the streets. Are you kidding me? The richest person mm -hmm. is from France and probably already has purchased and eaten the Mona Lisa. And we're all just looking at a dupe. That's um, probably true. And it's the owner of um, Louis Vuitton. Oh, um, yeah, that makes sense. And other. Other uh, things. Other fashion and cosmetics brands. Like, okay, this is this is where just the obscene wealth of people just boggles my mind. You know, yeah. like we we've covered Mr. Mr. Elon Musk in the past. Yeah, he's number the, two, and like he's pretty number distant two. number two, to be honest. Well, Let's yeah, because on. he lost he lost so much money. He lost more money than. Like ninety nine percent of Canadians, Americans, anybody will ever see in their lifetime. Um, yeah. Just, uh, just last year, like he went from I think being the number one richest person in the world to being number two because he, the amount of money that this this man bamboozled, like the the amount of money that this man just made go away is so staggering and i keep wondering like obviously i'm not an economics person and we are definitely outside the scope of this podcast at this point but like if if, if you can lose that amount of money you should not have that amount of money i it's just there it's senseless numbers so i don't mm -hmm. even know how to engage with it but um yeah but yeah i mean it doesn't according to this his net worth his net worth has actually not gone down so even while he is frittering away hmm. all of this money, you know, something else is happening that he's still making money. So there you go. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't uh, pretend to get it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. 
rich people. Yeah. Rich people, man. You got We shouldn't eat the Mona Lisa. We should eat the rich. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for watch, listening to our show, everybody. This has been a great one. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun researching and talking about it. Um, I want to thank Grace Hayhurst for the fantastic music. Uh, Alana uh, Osinski for the, uh, the graphic. I uh, want to thank you guys for sticking with it on this wacky episode that I thought up of. Um, yeah. Uh, anything you want to add there, Sarah? No, thanks, everyone. And uh, thank you, Michael Michelle, for leading us through it, as always. Oh, you're very welcome. And if you want to reach out to us, a uh, number of ways to do so. You've got uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're all at IP address pod. Um, IP address pod with one S on Twitter. Um, and we've got, uh, we've got our uh, email address. It's all in the description. You can, you can find it. And uh, I guess until our next episode, um, we, we like to end with our usual sign off. Which is don't eat the Mona Lisa. Yeah, don't eat, don't eat the Mona Lisa. Though she is a snack. Though she is a tasty snack. And...